0: Lists. Lists everywhere. It's a minisode. Hit it. What's up dudes and dudettes? I'm your host Jerry D with the second mini episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, we got it covered. Now today is very special because it is our second mini episode. So normally I do a about 65 to 75 minute episode, but due to work and uh, Other factors, we're doing another mini-episode. Yes, it's been 10 episodes, and it means it's that time again. So, we're going to start off the way we always start off, and check in with S.D. Kluger's mail truck, and open some letters to Santa. So, the first one's from Todd from Missouri, who says, Voltron versus the Transformers Devastator. Which was the better toy? Which wins in a fight? Excellent question, Todd. Um... That's a tough one because I only had the Voltron toy and only, I think, the leg, the right leg, uh, I think, which was the bulldozer of the Devastator, the Transformers Devastator. So for those of you that don't know, Devastator was a combining Transformer. In other words, it had uh, five different robots that would form one giant robot. And so it was pretty cool. Uh, Voltron, same thing. It was five lion robots that would join to form one fighting robot. <laughs> super fighting robot. No, nope, that's a different guy. So, which was a better toy? Well, because uh, I only had one, I would have to say Voltron. It was a rad toy, and it lasted a long time. It was super cool. Um, but, you know, who doesn't like Voltron? Which wins in a fight? Well, see, that's kind of tough, because Voltron... Had to fight all those roe beasts and he would always win. But he never fought like a fully-fledged, like, cybernetic organism that I can think of. But then Voltron had the Blazing Sword, which was pretty rad. So I think I'm going to have to go Voltron on this one. I think he could really, uh, really stomp the other guy. Plus, I mean, you know, lions are just cooler than construction vehicles, man. That's how it works. So, Todd, that's my answer. Next up, we have Tom from Oklahoma. What was your favorite outside toy in the 80s, and why was it the slip and slide? <laughs> That's, I I love it when, uh, when people word questions that way, these leading questions. Actually, my favorite outside toy of the 80s was a slip and slide, although it was really close between that and a huge trampoline that uh, my aunt had for all of us cousins to play on. I mean, it was it was crazy huge. You could get I don't know how many of us on it on time. And of course, you could double jump and things like that, which was like super cool. But I actually really like the the slip and slide. Although I got to say, I don't think I ever got enough forward momentum because I never quite slid as far as they did in those commercials. So I don't know if they put like some extra oil or something to make those guys just really slick or uh, or what. But I just could not get that hydroplaning down. So, yeah, I really did enjoy the slip and slide. Oh, follow up question from Tom. He says, did Santa wrap your presents as a kid or was he (laughs) or was he so lazy and didn't love you as much as other kids in the neighborhood? So it's it's, so funny you mentioned that because I did live in South Texas. And so by the time Santa got to our place, he just didn't have enough time to wrap the presents. And so, no, he did not wrap presents. I wouldn't say he was lazy. I think, you know, you spend a lot of energy. I mean, it takes a ton of energy to, uh, bend space and time. And, and, uh, I, you know, Santa's, he uses all that power to make kids happy. So if he's got to not wrap presents just to make sure that he gets the job done, well, I mean, heck, he goes around the whole world in one night. So I'm okay with that. And you know what? It was actually really special because I could tell right away which ones were from Santa and which ones were from mom and dad. So we, you know, I'd get up at like 4:30 or 5 in the morning, run to the living room. The tree would be there, and the lights were on. It was just amazing because it was completely dark, other than the lights of the tree, and there were all the wrapped presents under the tree that my parents had put out. And then, kind of aside, there was in three different piles for each one of my brothers. There was our unwrapped presents from Santa with our stocking just completely bursting at the seams laying right on top of him so uh, it it was really special because right away we knew what it was that we got and we knew if our wish from our letters to santa had been fulfilled so um nope he was not lazy he just uh, by the time he got to south texas he was just you know running out of steam at that point so all right next we have brian from utah If you could bring back one childhood toy to open this Christmas, what would it be? And he goes on to say, for me, it would be my proton pack from Ghostbusters I got for Christmas in 1990. In which Vinnie Brzezinski, another listener, said the G.I. Joe jet where the wings moved in and out was uh, his choice. Although I think he's talking about the Sky Striker. And yeah, that was a pretty awesome uh, toy there. I remember the Sky Striker, one of my favorites. But for me, my answer would be Castle Grayskull, and uh, I mean, I just I remember, which I, I mean, I couldn't have been more than four, but I just I remember seeing it, and it was amazing. So I would love to have a complete, you know, mint condition Castle Grayskull waiting for me under the Christmas tree again. I do have my Castle Grayskull; it is definitely not in mint condition. It's uh, I wouldn't even say it's good quality. But my kids still love playing with it, so it uh, that warms my heart. Now, Chris from New York said, Should Voltron have been wrapped in five separate boxes? <laughs> and then he had a follow-up question as well. "Is What do you think about companies like Fisher-Price re-releasing nostalgic toys from our childhoods? Do you think kids these days even care? You know, those are some good questions. And I'm going to, let's, let's take them one by one. So should Voltron have been wrapped in five separate boxes? Well, I tell you what. As a kid, I would have loved opening all five boxes. You know, just you love opening things when you're little, just ripping it open and then seeing what's inside and then just knowing that it's the next one and which line is this going to be? I think it would have been awesome. As an adult, now that I'm a dad and I have the job of cleaning up after (laughs) all the mess that uh, the kids make, I got to say, one box is just fine. Uh, But as to your second question about uh, companies like Fisher Price re-releasing nostalgic toys, um, you know what? I'm actually kind of cool with that. I think it's really neat. I don't think the kids care about it, but I think if you get them young enough that you really make them care, which is really cool. You know, you, you can play with that same uh, Fisher Price phone that you had when you were a kid or the cash register or whatever else it might be. And I think that that is a really, really cool thing just to be able to, to have that kind of, um, that shared experience, you know, with your child. I'm, it's neat, but do I see an older kid wanting to, uh, uh, a toy like that? No, I don't. I mean, especially when you got things like Nintendo, the, what is it? The Switch now. I don't even remember what it's called now, but when you got stuff like that, I mean, who wants official price, you know, telephone, but I do think it's really cool. And I think if you get them young enough, I think they'll think it's really cool too. And on that note, we're going to end and close up S.D. Kluger's mailbag there. So that was a fun little thing. There's a few more, but we're going to save them for next time. Now, here's something that I don't normally do. A shout-out. So a shout-out is where I read something or there's just something that I heard that I think is really cool and I just want to bring it to everyone's attention. And so the first is that on August 7th, we had the birthday of romeo muller who the is the writing genius for rankin bass although i'm sure there are several listeners out there who thinks that he was more of a writing maniac but either way he is responsible for many of the rankin bass christmas specials and um i know he passed away in 92 on december 30th but um you know it was his birth it would have been his birthday august 7th and so i think that's a It's something that I really have to bring out and and just kind of mention. The other shout-out I want to give is that Knight Rider is going to be rebooted the big screen by TJ Fixman. He's going to be writing it. He's mostly known for video games, so uh, I'm a little nervous. But I know he has a passion for Knight Rider, so that kind of makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, I'm very excited because not only did I just cover the Christmas episode of Knight Rider with the Saturday Morning Mafia, but I hope, I hope, I hope that they have the Hoff in it. And, uh, I mean, even if he just appears and gives like a throwaway line, then I think that automatically raises it like one Hoff, you know, the level. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just wanted to give those two things a quick shout out, but, uh, it's time for some suggestions. Now, several listeners have, uh, Throughout the months that I've been doing this, I've been, you know, given suggestions here and there. And I want to say that my favorite so far has been from uh, Jason Rhodes. You might remember him from the Dukes of Hazard episode, who suggested we do Berenstain Bears and Little House on the Prairie. And you know what? I think both of those are dope, dope ideas, especially the Berenstain Bears. I mean, who, who doesn't want to do Berenstain Bears? You know, they're so wholesome and cool, but also funny. So... Yeah, we're definitely going to get to that. Little House on the Prairie might be a little bit further down the line, but uh, we will eventually get to both of those. Now, Todd from Missouri actually suggested Magnum P.I. and the Christmas episode there. And I think that is also another dope idea. I can't wait to do that one. I mean, Magnum P.I. was like just awesome. You know, he just, Tom Selleck was like a man's man and you just, you wanted to be Tom Selleck. It was cool. I don't think his uh, Indiana Jones would have been better than Harrison Ford's, but I think it would have been as enjoyable or almost as enjoyable, but um, his Magnum PI was pretty rad. So yeah, we're definitely going to cover those. And you know what, guys, if you want to hop on those episodes, just give me a buzz. You know where to find me. On to our topic for the night. Now normally we I cover the topic and you know I have all my little segments and in our first mini episode we covered John Williams score to Home Alone just a tad I'll, I'm eventually going to do a full in-depth like musical breakdown of it but uh tonight we're actually doing two different things the first which I really like is a uh, I gave y'all some assignments and you know, some homework and y'all really stepped up to the plate. So I get two questions. And the first was, what's the most recognizable intro to a Christmas movie or special? And it seems that everyone really responded. And the winner, <laughs> winner, I don't know if there's really a winner, but at least the one voted for most was Home Alone, Christmas Vacation and Charlie Brown Christmas. Those ones uh, really a have uh, the most votes there. And I, you know what? I agree. I mean, Christmas vacation, you have that whole cartoon intro, which, um, hadn't had been done quite a bit in the eighties, but that year, um, there was only, there was three of them. And I mean, who doesn't like Santa with the candy cane sliding down a string of lights. <laughs> so there's that one. Then you have Charlie Brown, another iconic intro. I mean, Christmas time is here by Vince Guaraldi. Uh, It's just, it's one of those songs that, you know, it's got that nice light jazz. It's just, it's amazing. Of course, Vince Guaraldi, infamous for not playing the the root in the chord. But, you know, you leave that up to the bass player. So he kind of really set the mood there. So that's another one that just right away, just as soon as you hear it, you know it's a Christmas movie. You know it's going to be good. And then Home Alone was another very popular one, which, again, I think is is a great choice. I mean, you have that you know the little house, and then of course John Williams scores I talked about last week, or excuse me last mini episode the you know but then you also have the allusions to the uh somewhere in my memory i mean it's just it's brilliant stuff, so there were a lot of other a lot of other votes that uh, I thought were really good. Some honorable mentions. Some people said Elf. Um, they had a few White Christmas. Also had a shadow Nightmare Before Christmas. Someone said The Grinch. Um, I mean, these are all just great choices. But, I mean, by far the, the ones with the most votes were Charlie Brown and Home Alone. So, great job, guys. Now, the second assignment that I gave you all was... We we're going to make an 80s Christmas mixtape. And I said, all right, let's name them. We'll put them together and we'll just, we'll get it all done. And so here is our 80s Christmas mixtape. We start off with bum, 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 Bruce Springsteen. Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Is that controversial? Yeah. But you know what? I like it. So we're starting off. <laughs> um, Christmas Wrapping was another one, which... I really had only known it by, uh, the waitresses, but, uh, according to Marshall Craft, there was even a version of it by Save Ferris. So you know what? I think that's pretty rad. And I haven't been able to track down that version yet, but I'm, I really, really want to. Uh, Save Ferris were not my favorite, uh, group, but you know what? Dude? I did enjoy, uh, I did enjoy some of their stuff. So I-, I could really see how that'd be pretty neat. So I'm excited for that one. After that. We are going with Underneath the Christmas Tree by Bill Lloyd. Again, not one that I had known, but uh, Alonso Duralde, he's the one that uh, suggested that. And I think he's spot on with that. But only if we seg into Do They Know It's Christmas. Now, I kind of wanted to save that towards the end. I think that would have been like a nice, you know, just big finish. But uh, something I felt like I needed to just put it in right now at, at, at this particular moment to kind of just... Get that momentum going. After that, I thought maybe "Wonderful Christmas Time" by Paul McCartney, which again I know a lot of people have. Uh, it's kind of like a love-hate thing. You either really like it or you really hate it. I it's not my favorite, but I don't mind it. And it, especially because around here, when you get into the holiday season, you hear it all the time. So that part gets annoying. But something about those opening synth chords also that uh, as soon as you hear it, you know it's Christmas. And so I just, uh, I kind of like it because of that. So we'll go from there and then we'll seg into a, a different Beatles song. The, uh, John and Yoko's, uh, you know, happy Christmas. But from there, because I really don't like that one, we'll go to Christmas in Hollis and just kind of, you know, boom, slam, bring it back down. Now, after that, we got the, several people were uh, asking for Dolly Parton's hard candy Christmas um, not my favorite, but you know what? She Dolly Parton's pretty great. So I think we're going to throw that one on next followed by Christmas is the time to say, I love you by Billy Squire. And, uh, which by the way, I did see him in concert and it was pretty terrible. I mean, his guitar playing was on point, but uh, his showmanship was, was not great. But you know what? If you can play guitar like that, who cares what your showmanship is like. So you can rock on Billy Squire. <laughs> After that, we got to do, um, the pogues with fairy tale of New York. And honestly, I would like to hear, and this is my own personal pick thrown in now. I would really like to hear Sting's version of, uh, Gabriel's message. You know, it's kind of like a Basque hymn kind of a thing. And, and I really, I really enjoy Gabriel's message, but Sting's version for some reason is that you kind of have this, this counter melody going on and, and, uh, It's just it's it's really cool. So I would like to throw that in there before we get to um, driving home for Christmas, which is another great one. And from there, we're going to go with one that I don't know. So I'm not even sure if I put the placement right. But it was a Merry Christmas, Everyone by Slade. And that was actually Vinny Brzezinski's uh, suggestion. So, Vinny, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to listen to it. You know, that's why we're doing a mini episode. I just got busy. Sorry, man. But uh, I'm going to trust you, and so I'm going to throw that in right there. And I think we're going to move on from there into something a little bit funnier and quirkier and go with Bob and Doug with the 12 Days of Christmas. Good old uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie uh, from the, uh, the Great White North up in Canada. You know, why not? I mean, I enjoy it. It's funny, and it's definitely Christmas. Now, here is where we get to something special. And I would go Last Christmas by Wham, just because, you know, it's one of those that you got to have. And uh, I think that would be a great, great closer. So that is our Christmas, uh, our Christmas 80s mixtape. Take it or leave it. Did I leave anything out? Let me know. You can reach us on our Facebook uh, page, Twitter, Instagram and all that, or uh, also on Discord as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. What do you think about my 80s mixtape? Would you change anything? Maybe the order? I don't know. But if you would, hey, let me hear about it. So now it's time to go. But before we do, I'm going to leave you with these these little teasers right here. Next week, we have Mike and Rusty from Snow and Southtown podcast with a claymation Christmas celebration. That's right. We get into it. And you know what? We even kind of steal Tiz the Podcast thing, and we rank them. <gasps> Sorry, guys. I love y'all. That's why I'm stealing it. Uh, after that, Tom Crow from Tiz the Podcast and I, we talk The Caroliers, which was a part of Tom's childhood growing up in the 80s. And yeah, there is a disco connection there, and yeah, we're not going to talk about it very much. <laughs> I mean, it's disco. What do you expect? <laughs> Week after that, we got... Uh, Holiday shopping and wish books with Vinny Brzezinski. He and I really get into, we talk about, you know, when they come in the mail and you just, you circle all the ones you want. Sometimes you might even cut them out and put them on a page, you know, just glue them on or something. I mean, there was all sorts of things. you. So we talk about that along with holiday shopping in general, things like, you know, Kmart and layaways and all that. So much fun. Week after that, again, really exciting. John and Ben from Santa by the Minute podcast. and I. We really get into Santa Claus the movie. That's like their whole bread and butter. That's, that's the one they love. And so we had a fun time just talking all about it as a whole instead of dissecting it with, uh, info like, uh, like they do on their show. And I think they enjoyed talking about it as well. And then after that, we have Saved by the Bell with Lyle and Lassa from It's a Nineties Christmas Podcast. Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> so that one uh, I'm really looking forward to that one as well uh, Saved by the Bell is one of my favorites and so when we get into it we really get into it and then after that we have another really great one, Rudolph's Shiny New Year with Craig Kringle wait, didn't that debut in 76? yeah, but there's an 80s connection and you'll see how when we get into it so we got a great great slate of items coming up and uh, I just can't wait for y'all to hear them but It's time for me to say goodbye. And so I'm going to say, if you want to support Totally Rad Christmas, I can share our page on all of our uh, media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, give us a review on iTunes. I mean, not only does it help us reach more people, but uh, you'll also get a free sticker. And who doesn't like free stickers? Now, I have to say, as always, later, dudes.